And we've been looking in the book of Acts over the last couple of months now, I think it is. And we've discovered that it, in the Bibles, it's incorrectly written in your Bible. Yes, there's a mistake in your Bible. It says the Acts of the, Holy, of the Apostles. It's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because that was a man-given label. Just in case you think I'm moving towards heresy. The Acts of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem. The promise of the Father is going to come your way. (laughs) From east to west, north to south, coming your way soon. In the upper room they were gathered. And suddenly, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And we've uh, just looked at the lives of people that were impacted. And in the last few Sundays, we've asked a question. In the light of the insanity that's going on in the world today. Sheer insanity. When, when we consider the hopelessness that's gripping people. And it's not just in South Africa. Wherever you go, people are on the edge. People don't know about the future. Of the, or, or, there's no hope. The millennials aren't interested in even owning anything because they, they, there's no certainty. There's no security. There's this kind of, unlike the, our parents and many of our lives, where you grew up and you went up a ladder in a, you know, and you eventually accumulated the stuff you need. The young people today are saying it's, that means nothing. Because of the great uncertainty out there. Who holds the answer? Who do we go and look to? And here in the book of Acts, there's an amazing uh, story. Story after story, in fact. We looked at Philip last week, those of you here. This morning we're going to look at one of our other heroes who learned to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because that's where you're going to get your direction. That's where you're going to get your wisdom. That's where you're going to get your courage. Not from reading the latest pop psychology magazine. You're going to get it with a dose of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Being led by the Holy Spirit. And it starts here and says, my first point is that the Holy Spirit... Um, in moving the gospel from Jerusalem and Samaria, like we saw last week, to the Gentiles. Jesus said, you will be my disciples in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, the ends of the world, which included the Gentiles. And we see progressively how the Holy Spirit's leading. Leads Philip to the Ethiopian who was a proselytized Jew, but a Gentile, but who'd converted. But here we're going to see the first time that the gospel, by the Holy Spirit, Peter is led. And it says, about in Acts 10 verse 9, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approached the city, Peter went up onto the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. 
So just stick with me here in the story. They're on a journey. I don't know whose house this is, but unlike chapter 3 where they go to the temple to pray, they just climb up on the roof and pray. You see, they were starting to understand the difference. Slowly but surely, we see journey, Peter's journey out of Judaism Christianity, which said you can become a Christian, but you still got to keep all the laws and do all the religious things. And that included sacrifices, what you could eat, what you couldn't eat, and all the rest. And he's on the roof, and food is being prepared for him. That reminds me of Acts chapter 6, when he said, we need to ask some people who will be willing to serve in this ministry so that we can give ourselves time to pray and the word of God. I don't know who is preparing the food. Maybe mama, maybe some other people, maybe a chef that journeyed with them and felt a calling to save them time. But you know, it takes a lot of time to cook. I've discovered at the ripe age of 50-something, when my wife left me, I discovered that, that like 80% of your thoughts are around buying food, preparing food, chopping food, cooking food, eating food, washing up afterwards, freezing the leftovers. It's like, she's it's so much better when it comes on a plate while you wait. And Peter gave himself to this time of prayer while his meal was being prepared for him. And while he's praying, I don't know if he gets slain in the spirit. Uh, they call it daydreaming and night visions. At night, your dream is a vision. And in your day, a vision is like a wake dream. Does that make sense? So whatever the case, okay. But here in the state, he sees heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. Then it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. So, so, so here, so here you've you got a situation. Peter, filled with the Spirit, preaching to the Jews that Jesus is this Messiah they were waiting. And on this journey, he sees this vision. I believe it's about 20 years A.D., each chapter of Acts, you can almost work around a 10-year period. And here he is, in the 10 to 15 years, here he is with this vision of the stuff from childhood. I mean, we, we, we're talking about the waiter coming to your table with a three-course menu, starters, fried crickets, and flying ants. Main course, pig brain drizzled with boiled ox blood. And the dessert is eggs sprinkled over sweetened shark lungs. I mean, this really makes for a, a great outing, okay? We were sitting the other night. Who got invaded by flying ants this week? I mean, we were like totally just... I said, for some people, this would be such a treat. 
I mean, imagine they're like running around scooping up these things to fry them with butter. And, I've actually tasted one, and they're not too bad. And 3% of the world's diet is crickets. I watched a program on TV. I was like, they've got these big hatcheries, cardboard stack things that look like you know, sideway boxes, billions of crickets. And then they dry freeze them and package them and send them all over the Orient. third of the population sustains their protein intake and fat intake. How do you like that on your dinner tonight? Oh, wonderful Christians. Well, that's how Peter's feeling right now. We like, hey, come on, Peter, calamari, prawns, <laughs> crayfish, come on, bring it on, you know. He's like... Never, ever, ever. And in typical Peter style, God has to speak to him three times. Because he doesn't get it the first time. Peter works in threes, eh? He like denies Jesus three times. Weren't you one of his disciples? Weren't you one of his disciples? Weren't you one of his And, and, and then when Jesus restores him, it's like, do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Like Peter doesn't get it first time. He's a bit like some of us. You know? We hear this wonderful message of the freedom of the new covenant, and we go, oh, yeah, well, what's new? And then we hear it again, and something goes, ding dong, hang on. This is not the Christianity I've been living. The Christianity I've been living is what I'm going to do to please the Lord. The Christianity I'm hearing about now is the stuff Jesus did to please the Father on my behalf. And that just doesn't make sense to the religious brain. Peter's going through a metamorphosis. He didn't get put in a capsule when Jesus went to heaven and had thought transference uh, uh, electrodes on his head and suddenly understood the new covenant. No, he had to grow into the new covenant. And for him, these were filthy things to eat. And his religion of the day, was very much still, although they believed in Jesus and all that he did, there was still this reluctancy. You know? Then you hear it the third time. And suddenly some lights come on. Now, I know some of us are hearing it for the 33rd time. But the lights suddenly come on. And I go, hang on, wait a minute. That means at the cross, when Jesus died, if it was really my death, my sins, past, present, and future, have been done away with. Now, I don't want to sin because it's stupid and it just messes things up. And it's much better to be in the presence of God in peace and righteousness. But it's not the righteousness I do by doing something, but the gift I'm given. Listen, this might be elementary for us now, 10 years later, but it wasn't 10 years ago. Although, that may account for some of the empty seats. But I remember getting... Emails of, are you saying a Christian doesn't sin anymore? Are you saying that it's okay to go out and commit uh, the porno pornography? Are you saying, you know, it's funny how people hear what they want to hear. Welcome to my life. Say one thing, they hear it that way and they hear it that way. And you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Did I really use that word in church? I think you got my point. He says, get up and eat. I've never eaten anything this unclean. 
says Peter. His human pride is still locked in his religious point of views. He's still got one foot in Judaism and one foot in this newfound faith. That's why in Acts 2, you see they draw lots. It wasn't the way you hear from the Holy Spirit, drawing lots, but that's the best they knew. And let's give it to them. They were just doing the best they knew. So it's not a criticism. It just shows you the progressive growth. Chapter 3, they have to go to the temple to pray. Now he climbs up on a roof to pray. Now he's got to eat cockroaches and pony worms and frogs' legs. Keep quiet. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that the Lord has made clean. Does that remind you of some teaching Jesus once did? Something like it's not what goes in, but what comes out. But they're still fixated on what's going in. What does that tell you? I mean, I literally worked with a lovely Christian brother who believed by me eating pork, I was breaking the commands of God and my salvation was in jeopardy. He really believed that. I was such a young Christian, I got confused myself. Peter, haven't you, didn't you hear what Jesus taught about this? This is not your first rodeo, Jesus, come on. Oh, well, you know, I don't know, I think I've lost my salvation. Yesterday I swore at a taxi driver and I drove over the pavement and Knocked the dog over that was barking all night last night. And I'm definitely, I think there's a special place in hell reserved for me. That what Jesus did for you is irreversible. That what Jesus accomplished for you can never be unaccomplished. That what Jesus, like these people in their baptism, they preached a powerful message. In him I live and have my being. I no longer live, but Christ is living inside of me. Peter's on a journey. This happened three times, and then the sheet was taken back to heaven. Paul is a little bit, uh, Peter is a little bit unstable at times, okay? And later on in his journey, Paul had to even correct him about disassociating with the Gentiles and moving towards his Jewish brothers. But Peter, before Paul, was the one sent to the Gentiles. A second point, divine appointments, 10.17 continues. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to them, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? I mean, how cool is that? Is it wonderful, these divine connections, like you moving one way and suddenly someone else's journey intersects with yours and it's the Right meeting at the right time. There's no coincidence. This is a God incidence. And people 
sent your way. You hear something, you act on it, you act on a prompting, you act on a voice you hear either audibly or, or, or silently, but something sends you in a direction and only in hindsight you can see. And, and Peter goes down and he asks him immediately, what do I need to do? God has gone ahead of you to prepare. Cornelius, I say to you this morning, God has already gone ahead and given someone a vision, a dream, a prophetic word, a word of wisdom that can be the answer to your situation. Cornelius, whatever you're facing right now, whatever challenge in your marriage, whatever your output is greater than your input may be in your life, God can send a messenger ahead of you. And that's exactly what he does here for for Cornelius. He's already prepared Peter. Cornelius, it might not look so rosy right now. Are you going to trust in the the wisdom of this world? Are you going to trust that God has already spoken to a Peter and already given him the word that you need to hear from him? Imagine Peter went before this. He would have having them just going back into Judaistic legalism, mixing law and faith all over again. The man replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and a God-fearing man. And in other words, he, he had converted. And an angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited them into the house to be his guests. Now that is a very interesting statement. Do you know that Jews did not invite Samaritans, Gentiles? Although the centurion might have converted, these were just his, his, his Gentile Roman soldiers. I mean, they were the scum of the earth. Jews didn't have you in their house. They invented the word xenophobia and put it in the dictionary. You can Google later, my sweetheart. I mean, Gentiles were the outsiders. They were the don't have any contact. It's like a leper. Literally, I I saw on one of the news channels the other day, there's a big thing about these Jews going walking down, counting their beads. You know, they've got those yarmulkes on with their little curly tassels and their black outfits and their pointy sharp shoes like your pastor. And, he's wa- and they're walking down this main street and as they walk past this church, they spit. Each one. And it was caught on camera. This, I'm glad I did my spitting before social media came out. I'm glad. I'm glad we did our naughty stuff long before Facebook. And it captured these Jews spitting at the doorway. They still do it. But they carry on praying. Oh God, it's all the Hebrew, okay? And they spit in the church. They spit at mosques. They 
have taken classicism to steroid level. Peter says to them, come into my house. He could get stoned for this, literally. Come into the house. Holy Spirit doesn't wait for us to lay hands. Peter invites them into the house. The whole, point three, the Holy Spirit doesn't wait for us to lay hands when people are hungry. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, say the message, the, circumc- uh, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? First thing he said, imagine that. Eh? All those certificates. <laughs> Baptism was an afterthought. It was like, you want to you give your life to Jesus? Come, let's go get baptized. Make sure you can never turn back again. I'll stone you to death. Can anyone keep these people? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered <clears throat> Peter, so harsh. He ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Man, I wonder what those conversations were about. Wouldn't you have loved to be like listening in? These Gentiles who knew nothing. About nothing. Sit in and listen to the questions. Like, how many gods are there anyway? One? Really? Sure, you mean I've got to go back that far? It's like before I went to Bible college, I knew everything about the Bible. Couldn't, couldn't bring up a topic I didn't know anything about. Four years later, I was like, flip, I don't know anything. Another three years study, I was like, what do I believe? There's only one thing worse than having a little bit of theology. It's having no theology. (laughs) Something worse. Sorry, I'm all over the show. I'm sure it's these projectors, Steve. Please help me. Okay, so they stay with him for a few days. The importance of Coming hungry, it says. Staying hungry because there's more. In other words, while he was talking, there wasn't even a fire tunnel. Like, okay, all those who want to be baptized in the Spirit this morning, could you please stand up? All those who got the Holy Spirit, please come and make two rows. Let's march them through and get them. Nothing! While he's preaching the gospel about what Jesus, his, 
His life and ministry, his death and resurrection, the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, while he's telling them the good news about what Jesus has done, suddenly people are falling over. People are standing up with their hands lifted. People are babbling in tongues. People are babbling in the Holy Ghost. Like those early revival meetings. You go and read from the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s. The outpouring afresh on the Holy Spirit, wasn't just on the day at Azusa Street in America. America know how to capture and market things. And I love what happened at Azusa Street. But that was happening all over the world. China's got history. Uh, India's got recordings. Uh, America, Central America, even before Pentecost, the Puritans went there and couldn't control these meetings. People were just going crazy. Can you believe it? People were making all kinds of weird noises, like laughing in church. Like what Rodney says, we don't mind if people cry in church, but don't let them laugh. You know, emotions can be shed, but don't shout out, hallelujah, in the middle of a service. While there's preaching going on, especially Amen. Thank you. Shoo, I was worried for a moment. I'm looking at all these people thinking, if, if someone died and the ambulance came here, they wouldn't be able to find him. No, that's just a joke. That's just a bad joke I once heard from another bad pastor. Now, I know you're deeply engrossed. Thank you. And don't send me an email, please. I'll take one more email. All right, point number three. Push back on stepping out in the spirit and declaring grace to the undeserving. When you declare grace to the undeserving, when you declare grace to those who are Gentiles, Samaritans, or Jews, you will experience some pushback. They experienced it in Jerusalem in the first few chapters of Acts. They experienced it in Samaria when Philip went to Samaria and uh, there was a movement amongst the Samaritans. The Samaritans, they were still okay with the Jews because they were seen as half-breeds. You know, half-Jew, half-Gentile. They had a Jewish mother and a Gentile father. But the Gentiles, I mean, there's no space for this. And we see that whenever the Holy Spirit leads us into a new segment of our society, a new segment of our demography, we find pushback. We find people who... I don't know if I'm so comfortable anymore. You know, I don't know. I want to be with my, just my high school friends forever until Jesus comes. Oh, well, bless you. I mean, it's not wrong. But what about the Great Commission? You will be my disciples. I will put my power on you to reach those in the stinky places, in the Samaritan villages. Jesus broke off with all tradition by speaking to women directly. It was forbidden under the law. Peter, God, he's starting to get it. He's starting to understand it. His growth in grace is, is starting to, to, to expedite. Peter was sent. He says... Because now in chapter 15, it says that, verse 5, some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees and Sadducees, wooden seas and couldn't seas, stood up and said, 
the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met together to consider this question. Now, they were trying to be true to their current revelation as Jewish Christians who believe they're going to still keep the law. And elders and apostles look after doctrine as they have got it and see it. So we can't shoot them down for that. They're perfectly in line. But listen, Peter hadn't got to talk yet. Okay. So Peter gets up. Sure. Already finished my sermon. Dear Lord, met to consider the questions. Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you. that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Who did God show it to, to send Peter to the Gentiles? Let's, Let's go back and see. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you. God, who knows the heart, made a choice among you, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. They had sent Peter to those to shed a message. So it was that caucus that had sent him. And now he's reporting back and he, he's stating the following. You guys sent me to go to them. Then when I went to them, God who knows their heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. Now, now, now he has an important pattern because we're going to see next week as we look at the life of Paul. Paul didn't just buy a microphone and went. Paul was laid hands on and was sent. He wasn't some independent minister. I'm just going to go and do my thing now. No, no. The apostles and elders felt it right in God. The Holy Spirit set Peter aside to go do this. Now Peter's saying, you guys sent me, so you're going to share some of this responsibility. He he makes that God makes no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. You see? Not by obeying the law, not by what they do and don't do, but just by Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the neck of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? And what is that yoke? No. Now then. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are saved. I want to just pull out a few things there and then we'll finish up. 
See the picture with me. Group of elders, apostles in Jerusalem sends Peter. He goes. He, on the way, he gets this vision. Cornelius' messengers come. He's now speaking the word to them. Holy Spirit falls on them. He says, now we should baptize them. They've received the way we did. Peter goes back and immediately is told, no, 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 these people have to be circumcised. And he's saying, hang on, hang on, hang on. That's not how they came into this. They never came into this through obeying the, the law. They came into this through hearing the message about Jesus and the Holy Spirit fell on them to show that they were righteous vessels to be inhabited and now you want to put some rules and regulations and 336 laws on them that even choked our forefathers. No. They received this message through grace. Pushback isn't a stop sign. Sometimes it's just a yield sign. And I think Peter spoke with a humility there. I think Peter said, hey, hang on, guys. I think his tone of voice was, you are part of my sending. Now, hey, listen, guys. If God did it for them like this, who are we to come put the law on them? Peter was growing in his revelation faster than the Jerusalem church, and we'll see next week why Paul had to leave. So, Pushback is not a stop sign. It's just a, a yield sign. Speak the truth in love because the gospel, the gospel will always win in the end. And I also noted that this is the last mention of Peter in the book of Acts. We never hear about Peter again. We do know that later he wrote that beautiful epistle, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, to the churches. And Paul then takes front stage. So, every head bowed, every eye closed. Have you heard the gospel of the good news? That the Holy Spirit falls upon you, not because of anything you've done or anything you've achieved or what denomination you were brought up in, but the Holy Spirit falls on you because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Heard a testimony this morning about the difference that makes in a person's life because the Holy Spirit really wants to speak to us. The Holy Spirit really wants to guide us. The Holy Spirit is really there as a comforter. The Holy Spirit I mean, there have been times when I, I don't even know what I'm doing up here. And it's like five minutes before the service, Holy Spirit, please, just let there be one person. Maybe they'll like the flower arrangement or our coffee, or, you know. And the Lord's got to remind me that the signs follow the preaching of the word, not the preaching only of our Pet theories, ideas, philosophies, pop psychology, or even a little anecdotes, illustrations that are windows for the word. The word itself will be followed by signs.
You're needing the sign of the Holy Spirit again. We've done it this morning already. But I want to say to you, Holy Spirit comes to take you out of being living a religious life. He takes you out of being one foot mixed up between law and grace, and he brings you into freedom. And the Holy Spirit is here with us corporately. And when you leave, the Holy Spirit is with you individually. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, the Holy Spirit... <laughs> I can't remember who said this. Just come to me now. They said, if you wake up in the morning and you're tired, feeling like, no, oh, Monday morning, and you just say, Jesus. There's someone called the Holy Spirit who goes, huh, 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 what, huh, huh, what was that? What did I? Is that your bedside? Now, no, he's in you, but he's also on you. Sometimes you just got to say, or literally, some days the only strength I've got, I don't know, blame it on whatever was going on in my life, but some days I am so exhausted, I'm so fatigued, I can literally only just get that word out Jesus. And in that moment, there's a lifting of the head. In that moment, there's a strengthening of the legs. Not perfection. I'm not trying to advertise something. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit is real. He's real for you. He's real for me. He's real for us.